0: Is away from gets the ball to Morgan. Morgan crosses the 20, comes away to O'Neill, gets ah! the ball, Welcome to Above the Horizontal, a podcast about rugby league. I'm your host, Bo Nicholson. In this episode, we are Kieran Gibson Les. So it'll be up to me and Miles Stedman tell you who should be picked for state of origin for both states, as well as paying tribute to the late, great Bob Fulton. Stick around. Miles, it's usually uh, Kieran and I lamenting the fact that you're not joining us, but uh, you are in from Sydney and Kieran is away with uh, assignment hell, uh, he assures me. So uh, no Kieran tonight, but we do have Miles Stebbin. Miles, how's your week been down in Sydney?
1: It's been good, mate. How's yours been?
0: Yeah, not so bad. Um, It's nice being in Brisbane and Sydney compared to Melbourne at the moment, some potentially scary times for them coming up with the COVID situation. But um, yes, luckily we're, we're in states that aren't affected at this point. Um, and a good week of football was had particularly for my team, the Cowboys who had a win on Thursday. So as soon as I have a, a win for the Cowboys on Thursday, the rest of my week is fantastic. Like you could punch me in the face on Friday and I still think it's a good week. So, um, <laughs> but luckily none of that, that didn't happen either. So, uh, what, what did happen was that I got five out of eight last week, including the Cowboys winning. I, uh, very stupid. I would have had six. But I very, very stupidly decided uh, not to trust the Storm against the Raiders and changed my tip at the last minute when I found out that Jerome Hughes was out. And then the the Raiders were winning 10-0, and I was thinking, oh, this is really good. And then the Storm uh, scored 34 unanswered points. So, um, yeah, that went really well for me. But I ended up with five. um, And my bold prediction was that the Rabbitohs would beat the Panthers. I was only about like 44 points off with that one. Um, So uh, that's probably a bit of a miss for me. Miles, you tipped six out of eight, but you actually forgot to put your tips on NRL.com. So Kieran's got you down for four. What the heck happened there?
1: Uh, Honestly, I would have probably rather you said you just got four out of eight rather than telling everyone that I forgot to put my tips in because I feel like a a real idiot, uh, especially given it's... um, Did we we establish it cost me first place or or it, it wouldn't have mattered
0: you you were in first place, uh, however, it probably has cost you because I think you're one oh, behind me. the winner at the moment. So yeah. those extra two points would have been handy.
1: Oh, boy. Oh, well. I'll have to
0: make it up. And your bold prediction was that... Uh, it was quite an optimistic bold prediction, um, hoping for a big correction, either from the referees or from the players, uh, that there would be five sin bins and one send-off as a maximum. I don't think there was a send-off. I can't recall one, but there were a, still a number of sin biddings. I think 15, uh, including two to Victor Radley himself.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's um, that's that's a no-go, unfortunately, for my bold. But, um, yeah.
0: Hopefully Kieran the market
1: kn- corrects or later.
0: Uh, hopefully it does, because uh, it's a bit much at the moment. Kieran got five out of eight and his bold prediction was actually deceptively close to coming off by the way so he predicted that aj brimson against the bulldogs would score two tries with two line breaks and over 170 meters gained he did score two tries he gained 234 meters but he only made one line break so
1: that's definitely a win for kieran (laughs)
0: that's definitely a win for kieran uh yeah, fantastic work by Kieran. Let's talk about what we learned last week. Miles, we might start with you if that's okay.
1: Yeah, sure. Well, I've I've learned that halves are um are beginning to rival um Maybe American football's quarterbacks is one of the most important and coveted positions in in all the sports. For for a number of years now, the the player market has has depended on the movement of the off contract and and sometimes the the, uh, the under contract calves as well, who are who are keen to move clubs. And this year, it's obviously no different. Um, I think in uh, dispatches, I noticed that Tom Dearden was seemingly the the next domino set to fall. Uh, obviously, he's already signed uh, with the Cowboys, but. Um, they're looking to get him this year, I believe, um, and that's also set to unleash a, a swath of changes uh, at six and seven or around the league. And it just confirms the fact that if you don't have, uh, I think at least one great half, you, you need to be in the process of finding one because you you're not going to be going anywhere if you're not. And, uh, and to kind of to bring this back full circle um, to the the quarterback analogy, it was um, Bill Parcells, great NFL coach, once said, "If you have two quarterbacks, you." You have none, and that, that's. I feel like that sort of applies to, to halves. I mean, you you look at like the the sharks with so they got three halves there. The the Rabbitohs have um, maybe uh, I guess three in a, a little bit more of a friendly situation. The Broncos they had Dinn and um, and Croft and a few others there. There are some clubs that really have too many halfbacks, and there are some clubs that just have too few. So it's a, it's a real hot market right now. And it'd be really interesting to see where we are in um, uh, I think say by June 30.
0: Speaking of halves, um, there's been some movement there as well. Blake Green uh, retired from the Knights, so he retired effective immediately with injury. And George Williams has uh, been granted immediate leave uh, and the end of his contract to return home to the UK, which means that, I mean, the Knights will be in the market for a halfback. And as you were talking about, Tom Dearden could move effective immediate to to the Cowboys, which would release... Uh, Jake Clifford to the Knights in all likelihood, which would be probably a win for the Knights, more than the Cowboys, I think, because Clifford's been in good touch. Uh, And then there's also... uh, Yeah, the Raiders have sort of entered that market now as well, looking for that extra halfback to complement Jack White. And unless, of course, they believe Sam Williams can get the job done, but we'll see where they go there. And speaking of halfbacks, you mentioned the Sharks. What I learned last week was that a golden point field goal is not enough to save you from the axe, with Chad Townsend <laughs> going from villain for most of that game to hero to win it in Golden Point to completely out of the team with uh, with the return of Sean Johnson. And look, it's uh, it may be a bit of a strange one considering that he did hold his nerve and get that, that winning field goal, but as I pointed out, he didn't have a great game against the Dragons, and he is heading off to the Cowboys next season, so uh, perhaps... Uh, Josh Hanna is just trying to lay some platform for next season with a, a Sean Johnson, Matt Moylan combination because with a dearth of halves in the market, of quality halves at least, the Sharks might be well-pressed um, really hanging on to what they have. So that's what I learned. It's all about the halfbacks uh, this week at Above the Horizontal, but let's jump into our wild card awards. Miles, what is yours for round 11?
1: Well... Uh- Again, I've, I've continued on this theme of not naming my wildcard awards, um, uh, but I, I do want to kind of uh, shake the hand virtually of, of Cameron Murray and Cody Walker, who who both, um, they've come out and, and strongly um, uh, expressed their desire to play for the Rabbitohs this week, uh, which is n- no surprise, of course, but they're actually... Um, carrying, uh, I don't think injuries, but probably niggles into the game this week, and mm-hmm. and they could easily rest on on state of origin grounds. I think the the club would probably respect that, and they could. Uh, I think the NRL community would generally respect that as well. But uh, look, I love to see. Um, obviously, although an in, uh, an injury or a further niggle to that would be no good for for club nor for for state. I think it's great to see players putting their their club and you know, I guess more broadly their contractual obligations above their personal representative uh, achievement um, the, the Rabbitohs are the team that they bleed for week in week out and they're, ultimately they're trying to win the premiership with and it's going to be the Rabbitohs that they play the bulk of their career with, well I mean, Murray's story isn't written but most likely um, so I, I just thought it was good to see uh, in, in an, an era where we will typically see players sit out if they've got a niggle leading up into origin or or, or rest um, before and after. I, think, I, I just think it's good to see players uh, maybe not push themselves, but uh, do the right thing by their clubs and, and, and the fans by extension.
0: Fair to say they both bleed. Cardinal and maybe just a little bit of myrtle as well. I, um, speaking, <laughs> Mostly speaking, cardinal, let's hope. <laughs> oh, let's, let's hope indeed. Let's, uh, well, actually, it's interesting. We can sort of segue. We've been segueing to each other's uh, quite well tonight right. so far. <laughs> mine uh, regards uh, some contractual obligations as well. I do have a name for mine. It is called the Get Your Big Fucking Face Out of Everyone's Award, <laughs> <laughs> which goes, which goes to Clive Palmer, who Unsatisfied with skewing the most recent federal election with hot nonsense and, in an unrelated matter, suing the WA government for... Actually, let me just check my notes. Oh, no reason. Uh, He's decided to hitch his wagon to the latest pile of nonsense, which is Israel Folau's latest appeals to play NRL, despite currently being contracted with the Catalan Dragons Clive, get off your bullshit ass, pay the workers you owe millions of dollars to, and stay out of rugby league, is what I say. Um, <laughs> and that's, uh, I've gone pretty hard at Mr. Palmer there, but I think he's an absolute cretin. But I, in our first news item for this evening, I've just put down here, Israel fallout slash the rise of computers, which is maybe, <laughs> a, maybe a little bit of an in-joke, Miles, uh, because I was telling you guys... Off, off camera that when I was trying to think of an award name for this and I was going to give it to Clive Palmer for being a big fat useless piece of crap uh I typed into Google um horrible fat people or something like that fat people that are horrible and then Google just replied with a whole bunch of health pages telling me how beautiful I was despite <laughs> my appearance and I just I want to put it out there that I don't I'm not at all fat-shaming anybody except for Clyde Palmer, and it's got nothing to do with his weight as far as I'm concerned. He's just a pile of nonsense. But let's talk about Israel Folau just a touch. Uh, I I feel like people might be getting a bit sick of this. Um, He stands, and a lot of his supporters stand on the the premise, Miles, that he should be allowed to ply his trade uh, and that not being able to Um, is obviously a a restriction of trade, which is what Clive Palmer is claiming as he goes to threaten to sue people, but also that it's religious discrimination against him for his religious beliefs. How much weight does that argument carry with you?
1: Well, I I think he's also using his his religion to to discriminate against others. So, um, as we know, we live in a country where um, church and state are separate and, and state is above church for... All intents and purposes. So I've, I've never said sort of bought the, the whole religious freedom thing. You know, there are plenty of Christians that worship in this country without um, discriminating against others. So I, I just don't see, yeah, I don't see why there's any reason Israel Flower can't be one of them. And he, he and you know what? He was for 10, 15 years of his career. So I don't know why it changed all of a sudden a few years ago. Yeah,
0: that's the, that's the funny thing about Israel is that, like, we all, we all knew that he was... Uh was Mormon initially. And, and by the
1: way, a lot of players are.
0: Yes, exactly. And and this was my greater point, is that, you know, Israel was very peaceful in our game. And then he went to chase uh, some coin in the AFL, was a peaceful enough presence there. Went to rugby union, appeared to be a peaceful enough presence there. Uh, the further away these players get from rugby league, the less attention I pay to them, unless they are hitting my radar with... The nonsense that Philu was coming out with, and it does seem like he was somewhat radicalized in the last couple of years, but to your point, Philu is not alone in having the beliefs that he has. We can be pretty confident of that. There would be players in the NrL that believe that homosexuality is a sin they would be they- there'd be a bunch of NrL players that are vehement racists. Um, There'd be a bunch of players with completely unsavory views. But, for the most part, they're professional enough to not sprout those views in the public domain. And uh, if Israel is well entitled to have his views, I totally disagree with them personally, but he's entitled to have his views, as are all those other players that share them. What the other players are doing is being intelligent, though. Um, and as far as I'm concerned, Miles, if, if Israel Folau was to keep saying, I'm going to put God first, I'm going to put my belief first, that's great. Good luck to him. But coming and playing in the NRL is not putting that first. That is putting that second behind fame, money, uh, and spreading hate. And I can't abide that. So I've had pretty animated arguments with people saying that, um, he should be allowed to play because if they're going to let blokes like Matt Lodge play, they should let a guy like Israel Folau play. What What do you think about that? Because, uh, you know, what Matt Lodge did over in New York was obviously pretty horrific.
1: Well, you know what? I, I think with, with these sort of things, you see it in a lot of different sports. Players that um, uh, generate a, a lot of uh, negative noise uh, for whatever reason it may be, they do tend to... Um, you know, they, they might seem like they're uh, they're being blackballed by their their leagues or or whatever, but a lot of the times teams just, regardless of the talent level, teams just don't want the the media circus hanging around them that these players bring. Um, mm. So you know, Flair obviously a very talented football player. Um, but happens to also be like one of the the most polarizing figures in Australia, and, and any club uh, signing him knows that, and they're they're they knowingly signing up for that media circus. So uh, the the Dragons kind of got wind of it um, when they sort of uh, put their toes in the water of potentially signing Falao, and and got an immediate blowback from from sponsors and fans, and they said, well, this is you know it's, it's just not worth it, um, and. Uh, you know, Matt Lodge. Yes, obviously, what he did was, you know, uh, horrific compared to uh, Flower's In my opinion, relatively minor kind of social media indiscretion. Where, I, to be honest, uh, do, do I think gay people really cared what Israel Flaus think? Not really. Um, but but Lodge is also he, he is a, it, for, for for what it's worth. It was a crime that took place in another country, uh, away from the eyes of a lot of Australians. And I, I feel like outside of those. Uh, following the NRL, that there, there wasn't actually a whole lot of uh, interest in, in what happened with Matt Lodge. So, uh, and to his credit, he's also sh- uh, shut his mouth and played football for the past five years as well. So, um, the, uh, that to me is the difference. So it, it's not necessarily a uh, a difference between um uh, the indiscretion that the the players have committed or or whatever you want to call it, but it, it it's more what a, what the club can get away with and and how quietly they can get away with it and. And look, maybe it's on the NRL then to to say, well we're not gonna if we're not gonna allow Flower to play because of, of, of what he's done, then we, we probably we shouldn't allow Lodge to play either. And I, you know what I probably agree with that, but they made it for whatever reason they made the decision to, to let Lodge play to just to, to register his contract and it appears that Peter of is is not gonna do that with flower I
0: think... I think what happened with with the Matt Lodge situation, and I was very against him playing when he was coming back in, and I'm against a whole bunch of players with domestic violence history as well. Uh, for example, Adam Finnua Blake, like it's just a horrible, horrible thing to to do to somebody. But I guess in the case of Matt Lodge, very specifically, when they lodged uh, an application to the NRL to lodge a contract with him with the Broncos. Uh, they would have had to present a case to the NRL to suggest that he, that it would be a, a good thing to do, right? That he has, you know, that he has intention to uh, pay for his crimes, which was like $1.6 million, uh, that he has intention to be a better person. Here's what he's doing so far. He's staying off the drink. He's doing this. He's doing charitable work in, the, in his downtime. He's genuinely remorseful for what he did. And my understanding is that when the NRL received that case, that they sat there and went, you know what? Okay. You know, this guy is turning a corner. We believe in rehabilitation. We're going to give him a go. Uh, Israel Folau has shown no such remorse and has continued to double down over and over again. And that's the difference for me at this point. Uh, What I do think the NRL could do better and would have been better at the Matt Lodge situation is when they receive... when When they green light a contract... Of this nature that has this much controversy Is it possible for them to sit there and say Hey look He went through the process Of you know making a claim Here's what it is They put the case together And on the evidence of A, B, C and D We've come to the conclusion that this would be A good contract to green light. Um Do you think that could be something that we could go down the road of?
1: Yeah well I, I'm I'm totally for any sort of um Signing and, and salary cap transparency, we can get. So, I, I personally would like to see that, but I guess the NRL, the, the reason that the NRL doesn't sort of do that is, is probably just because it invites more comments. So, um, uh, yeah, I'm guessing that probably why they're not wading into those waters.
0: Alright, suffice to say that at the moment, um, Israel Folau not welcome back in the game from above the horizontal. I'm speaking for Kieran as well because I know how he feels about this. But uh, at this point, he's trying to sign with the Southport Tigers. The QRL cannot ratify the uh, application. Southwards and the Gold Coast, by the way. Uh, The QRL cannot uh, ratify the application until they've heard word from the Catalan Dragons, where he is allegedly still contracted to. So uh, we'll keep an eye out on that one. But um, I hope that, as I said, Clive Palmer sticks his big face out of it. Let's move forward to a little bit of judiciary news because Victor Radley has copped a five-week suspension uh, for his uh, indiscretions on the weekend against the Broncos. I've got a question for you, Miles, and it involves three R's, and it has to be one of them. It has to be. Is it stupid refs, stupid rules, or stupid Radley?
1: <laughs> it's, it's definitely stupid Radley. In any game, in, in any uh, era of the NRL his, history, um, even back in the New South Wales Rugby League, this would have certainly earned Radley some time on the sidelines, I think. Um, and you know what? If... if if anything, I think there's a chance that Radley might have got off lighter in this week because there's just so much scrutiny and pressure on the referees to... Uh, I think pressure on, on both sides of the referees to, to do and to not do that they probably just erred on the side of caution with Radley because there is that pressure. If if there wasn't, they might have just sent him straight off and, and there wasn't so much noise about send-offs and sin and send And I, I think they might have sent him off for one of those tackles, so... I think, if anything, you could have got off more lightly.
0: I thought, yeah, I, I, I 100% agree with you, because the second one particularly where he was, like, leaping off the ground directly oh, yeah. at someone's head. Just, <laughs> I'm, I'm with you 100%. Stupid Radley, uh, not much more needs to be said about this, but I will make mention of a fact that Miles in one of our group chats, I can't remember which one, you made the quite bold prediction that Victor Radley would never play for New South Wales. Am I correct uh, in saying that was you? I uh, uh,
1: it was me. Um, I, I don't know if those are the exact words I, I you know what I think they were. Let's yeah, it, I'll, I'll die on this hill.
0: It was it was pretty much that and it wasn't cuz of a of a lack of talent or anything like that. You readily admit he's a very good player, but because of injury or whatever whatever. It looks like 2021's been taken care of because if he is, he's going to be suspended for the entire series. I tell you what, you know, New South wales they, they pick a few different players, uh, they all click. You know, you could have a new dynasty. It could be a Maroons-like ten years in a row. Radley might never get a chance, and uh, I don't know. So far, so good for that bowl prediction, Mister Steadman. So far, so good. Let's uh, let's talk about the New South Wales team, which will be peaked after 6pm on Sunday evening, following this round of football. uh, Obviously, licking their wounds after last year's, I think, shock loss would be an understatement. Um, Miles, at the time of the shock loss, you were a very, very angry man, and you were demanding a lot of changes, including the head coach. Now, that has not transpired, so... I'm curious to know what team you would like to see represent you and your state come uh, Wednesday week.
1: Okay. So I, I did make this team uh, most of it though, a a few weeks ago. So there may be one or two outs that if you want to prompt me on, I can give you a replacement for sure, but one to 13, this would be my side. Uh, Tedesco Tupo Mitchell, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, Adokar, Walker, 7, 8, 9, Cleary, Jake Trebojevic, Cook, 10, 11, 12, 13, Daniel Safidi, Dal and Angus Crichton, Cameron Murray.
0: So we'll have to go with no Angus Crichton because Crichton has been suspended officially for two matches, which rules him out for this weekend and Origin one. Um, I assume that he will come back in for origin two and three uh permitting injury and suspension but uh who would you replace him with who was your other back row so far sorry it was was Dale and Cameron Murray wasn't it
1: yep Dale and Cameron Murray and you know what I I, and we discussed this offline I I, I'm getting close to considering for that other back row spot Jack Bird and I know that um it, it's it is sort of from the clouds and he's <laughs> he's only been playing a good half year of footy and, and could you even really call it good i mean it's it, it's been all right but not it hasn't set the world on fire in my opinion but i think he is venturing back into those orders of playing state of origin football and i, I don't know i i could see him playing a good game of free in the back row and obviously he's played all, all year in the center so maybe best deployed from the bench but yeah I, i'd potentially go down that that avenue and uh Yeah, I'm going to say Jack Bird.
0: Who is your bench?
1: Yeah, this is where it gets contentious, and and, um, I know I've had people uh, express their opinions that they don't agree with me on what talent is or who's playing well and who's not, but um, I would actually pick, I think, Matt Lodge and Payne Haas as as two props on the bench, Um, Mm -hmm. uh, well aware of both their uh, deficiencies. And in the back row, I think I would... I'm leaning towards... I was leaning towards Sean Lane and Victor Radley, but obviously he's been suspended now. And I think I would go with Sean Lane and Luciano LeLua.
0: Interesting. So, um, let me let me uh, throw some questions at you. You've gone with Cleary-Walker. Uh, that combination was tried last year. Um, there was some success, obviously, in game two. They had a bit of a blinder together. Um Walker arguably, arguably better than Cleary even, and Cleary had an almost 10 out of 10 game. You'd stick with that combination and you wouldn't be tempted to go with a Whiten or a Luai? Uh,
1: definitely not tempted to go with Whiten. Um, certainly tempted to go with Luai, but I th- look, I think the best thing that we can do for this team, coached by this coach, Brad Fittler, is to stick the course. Um, and maybe if it doesn't work after this year, switch it up, but... I think, that the, I think that they they both need each other in a sense in, in terms of a, a long term stand state-of-origin partnership. So if they can form that this year, I'm happy to roll with that and I'm happy to give them a chance in game one.
0: Some uh, notable admission, omissions that I noticed were uh, obviously Luai, like I mentioned. Um, Brian Toro, you've gone with uh, tupo instead. Is is that a, a physicality choice for you um, considering that Toro would probably be Marking Xavier Coates.
1: That too, um, but also I, I just like uh, Tuba better as a player. Uh, I think he's an aerial threat, which is, uh, as you said, uh, he matches up well against Xavier Coates, and of course puts pressure on the Morans as well. Um, uh, he is a, a, a decent returner at the ball. Um, he's a, he's good in the middle of the field as well. Probably probably a little bit better than Tuba. Uh, sorry, than um, than, than toe in in that area, and uh, and hell, I just like him better than than
0: the other guy. All right. Uh, in the <laughs> forwards in the forwards there was some interesting ones so I, I don't remember you mentioning uh, junior paulo no. uh, not not a fan despite him being in pretty good form for the eels no line
1: through him he was terrible last year so uh, he's he's gonna at least play another good year for me to consider him again
0: Tyson frizzell has been one of the best players for the Knights this year even though they've been a, a fairly underwhelming team um, and he's an experienced campaigner there's a few gaps in the back row there you don't consider him
1: nope he's getting up there and uh, same thing was terrible last last series so he's gonna have to have another a, a, at least another good year to earn my trust back
0: and Isaiah Yeo who's uh, having obviously a really good year with, uh, with the Panthers he's formed a combination with Nathan Cleary um, he did okay last year but he was you know used differently because he had to play in the centres and things like that um, wouldn't consider Isaiah I,
1: would say, no, I wouldn't consider him but I think on the balance of things he's, he's not getting up there I think he's only about 27-ish or 26 maybe mm. but I, the balance of players I've got I'd, I'd rather see guys like Leila and Lane take that shot off the bench on, on debut than, than have Yo, who's uh, you know, m- maybe a bit less of a prospect now and, and more of a, uh, a seasoned campaigner,
0: and that's and that's an impact decision for you with uh, Leilua that, and yeah,
1: that 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 too, uh, Leilua. Obviously, neither plays off. The, oh, Lane has experience playing off the bench. Is is now starting for the Eels, uh, mostly, I believe. Um, but they, I, mean, they, I think I definitely see them both stronger off the bench than than Yo would be I'd.
0: Let me read out um, Kieran's list that he sent through, but I'll have to make a change on Kieran's behalf because um, he has named a player here that's injured at the moment. Uh, He's got Tedesco at fullback. So do I, by the way. Uh, Even with Trevojevic's fantastic form. uh, Teddy is your captain. He has to be there. Um, He's got Trevojevic and Adokar on the wings, uh, which... Tommy's done a good job on the wing before. Uh, Josh Oda-Card's obviously a automatic of max selection. He centers are Latrell Mitchell and uh, Zach Lomax. Uh, Lomax is injured, however. So uh, I imagine Kieran would have to go for a different center there. Uh, he's gone with Jerome Luai and Nathan Cleary. He does have a question here saying, does Anasta still play, um, or is he only commentating these days? Uh, I think he would <laughs> rather have uh, Anasta than Cleary in there. Um, but that's, and that's another that matter. He's got Payne Haas and Junior Paulo in the front row with Damian Cook um, at hooker. He's acknowledged that Frizzell's in a struggling team, but uh, they have low stocks in that area. So he's got him in the back row with Jake Turbo at lock. And here's one for you. Tavita Pangai Jr.
1: Mm.
0: On the right edge or left edge. I think he'd probably play the right. Um, what are your thoughts on someone like TPJ? Um He'd be someone in that sort of Luciano kind of mould.
1: Yeah, and and look, I, I should also add that uh, if I haven't selected your favourite player, uh, dear listener, it, it doesn't mean because I don't think they deserve selection, um, unless I've said otherwise. Um, <laughs> but it, yeah, I, for, for me, Pangai, while he's obviously a different player to Yo, he's in the same mould, whereas he he's more um, a guy at the peak of his career um, who would only play State of Origin because he is at that peak, rather than a guy who's rising, like Lei Lua. So, Pangai certainly wouldn't look out of place in State of Origin, I don't think, but if a, a sort of back row enforcer is, is between him and Lua, uh, sorry, and then Lei Lua, uh, I would be choosing Lei Lua.
0: Is Jack Whiten one of the people with a, with a line through his name for you, for Origin? Uh, yes, he is. Okay, so Kieran has him on the bench as his utility. He's got Ryan uh, Regan Campbell-Gillard, rather. Cameron Murray and Isaiah Yeo. Uh, My team was, I think, pretty standard. Um, I don't expect this to be the team that is picked, but the team that I picked is Tedesco. I've gone with To'o on the wing with Adokar. I've gone with Tommy T and Latrell Mitchell in the centres. I've gone with Luai and Cleary for that combination. Um, I think New South Wales need to pick form players, and I can't think of a better halves pairing than those two at the moment. Cook keeps his spot at hooker mostly through lack of a challenger. Um, Happy uh-huh. um only just coming back from injury, hasn't set the world on fire, so I think Cook holds. Haas, Paulo to open the, the front row with Cameron Murray on an edge, Tyson Frizzell on the other edge, and Yeo to have that combination with Cleary and Luai at lock. My bench is also Jack Whiten, Daniel Saifiti, Jake Travoyevich. And I've got Liam Martin in there uh, for for an intro for a for an impact back rower. Uh, I think he could be a goer. Um, I agree with you that Jack Bird deserves to be there or thereabouts. I think he would probably be my eighteenth man uh, because should Sinbin or injuries strike. He's the kind of guy that, as you rightly say, could slot in the back row and do a job. Uh, Obviously you'd slot him out in in the centers or something like that. He could probably play fullback um, and he can slot into the halves if need be as well. So I'd probably go there or Matt Burton for that 18th man spot. Um, But yeah. Okay. So thoughts on thoughts on my team. Do you have, uh, do you have, any huge objections? Obviously, you've mentioned White and Frizel Paulo are on your no-go list.
1: Look, the only player I, I probably wouldn't consider um, in your team is Liam Martin. I think I think, player, I think uh, the, the NRL public seems to think of him a bit more highly than I do. Um, but that's fine. That's just a difference in opinions. And, and hell, I'm sure uh, many more people would be picking martin over sean lane so you know I, I, I give and take there but um is there any reason you chose Liam martin over guys like for example um luciano liloa um uh even even guy like uh kian kolomitangi i think it is mm. um and mm. and hell even josh schuster
0: um, I, think I like Schuster, by the way. Uh, so Schuster for me is—he uh, has an error in his game. He's very flashy with his no look passes and things like that. I'm I'm thinking that's not conducive to Origin. Uh, Luciano, a little bit the same with his offload. Like, yes, those players could break a game open, and that could be what New South Wales needs. But what I actually think they need is to bust the door down uh, through the middle against Queensland. And Liam Martin's just one of those no frills, hard line runners. Makes his tackles. Uh, and can provide an impact with a bit of late footwork and speed on an edge. So uh, I'd be going with him. People that were unlucky for me were people like Dale Finucane. Like, I love Dale Finucane as a player, but with, you know, Cameron Murray, Yeo, Chavoyevich as middles in front of him. Um, and yeah, Dale Finucane could probably play on an edge. And yes, they need some players like that. But um, yeah, I don't know. He's just one of the unlucky ones in, in, in my books. But that's... Uh, as you say, a, a matter of opinion, I'm, I'm, I'm sure we can agree on that. Let's talk about those dastardly Queenslanders that got the job done last <laughs> year. Um, now, fair to say that on paper, Queensland looks like it should be a stronger team uh, than it was last year. As we all said at the start of the series, it, it, it looked like it was a fairly weak um, side but, you know, they got the job done. So, I'm going to read out Mr. Kieran Gibson's Queensland team first. And I'll, I'll let you, you and I pick it apart, if you will, um, Miles. So, he started with his fullback as Kalen Ponga. His wingers are Valentine Holmes and Xavier Coates. And his centers are Dane Gagai and Kurt Capewell. Halves, and it should be mentioned, by the way, that Cameron Munster has a huge injury cloud over him. He will be named as 5'8", uh, but then they'll obviously assess that situation. But So he will be 5'8", and the halfback and captain will be Daly Terry Evans and Kieran agrees. The front row is that he has a Christian Welch. Oh, sorry, before I get too far ahead of myself, do you largely agree with, with that so far? Do you think that's the, the best one to seven Queensland can have?
1: Yeah, I think that back line picks itself, although I have gone um, a, uh, a bit. I have a back in there that will certainly make both your heads explode, so I can't wait for that.
0: Is it Will Chambers? No. <laughs> because <laughs> that, was, that was. Oh, okay. Interesting. I, um, I have heard some people talk about Will Chambers getting picked in the centers, and I can understand Gosh, that goodness. idea but uh, I think Blues would be licking their lips at the oh, idea of what he's playing. Uh, whereas Kurt Capewell, while I'm worried about his speed in defense particularly, um, he just proved that he's a heart player and that's the sort of player that Queensland needs in a, in a spot that we're a bit deficient in. So uh, I agree with Kieran that Kurt Capewell should be the center. Okay, let's go to the forward pack. Kieran's forward pack is Christian Welch, Jai Arrow in the front row, Feliz Kafusi, David Fafita in the second row, with Tino Fasui Maliawi in the lock forward position. I agree with him. Do you agree with us?
1: Um Yeah, I
0: do. Okay. Here's where it gets a bit interesting. So Kieran has chosen Reed Mani at Hooker and harry grant on the bench do how do you read the queensland hooker situation you were you're a big fan of the way jake friend went about his work (laughs) he obviously has retired read money is a bit jake friend like uh maybe less tough as nails uh and maybe slightly more skillful with his all round kicking game um but you know he's he's the closest thing we have to a friend prototype with grant coming off the bench at like he did it in game three can you see that working
1: look i can see it working um spoiler my apologies spoiler alert i've picked harry Harry grant at hooker and two back rowers so i wouldn't be going down the uh the path of taking harry grant off the field but i can see that working
0: okay um what is interesting about kieran's side ...on the bench. So, as I said, he's got Harry Grant on the bench. He also has uh, Mo Fotoaker and Cohen Hess, which it must have just burned his fingers (laughs) typing that into his phone at lunchtime today. And the other bench players, where he's got Harry Grant, Fodawaker, Hess, and AJ Brimson. So, he's got two small players Mm -hmm. on the bench, which is quite an interesting decision. It's a very similar train of thought that selected Darren Lockyer had. Um... What do you make of that?
1: Yeah, that bench is a bit small for my liking. I, I don't. I don't think you can pick. Um, I don't think you can pick a hooker and uh, and the utility back. I think it has to be one or the other, um, especially in state of origin. Uh, I I wouldn't employ that sort of tactic in in clubland. So that's that's going to be a no for me, Kieran. But um, look, I, I I welcome it as a, a Blues fan.
0: I've made just one change there. I've. Got Grant Fotoweka Hess and Jaden Suar, who, while being dropped by the Rabbitohs recently, did a really, really good job for Queensland last year. So, uh, and also, as I said, he offers a little bit more size uh, instead of Brimson. Brimson very unlucky, I think. So, Miles, you've heard the two Queensland fans. What is what what one to seventeen would you be scared of as a Blues fan? Okay,
1: so I. Um... I I don't know how you guys are going to feel about this, but my back three would be AJ Brimson at fullback, um, Mm. Xavier Coates on the wing, and Kalen Ponga on the other wing.
0: Okay. Um, Um, Well, first of all, I'll I'll say Kalen Ponga debuted in the NRL on the wing uh, in a finals game for the Cowboys. He played his first two games there, held his own just fine. Uh, He also debuted pretty much at lock uh, in origin and handled himself really well, so... I think if you threw a challenge at him, I'm sure he'd rise to the occasion. But, okay, that's an interesting back three. A bit left field. I like it. What's, who's his center pairing?
1: Well, well, if you thought you'd heard left field, my center pairing, <laughs> Dane Gagai and Tom Opachick.
0: Oh, well you know what? He's in good form for the Eels.
1: I I. Look, I really like him. I, I kind of think I tipped my ha- hand the other day when I said he was sort of the the Blake Ashford of uh, the, or the new Blake Ashford. And I, look, I think if Blake Ashford were still playing anywhere with Queenslander, I think he'd be in the frame right now. And I I really like Opačić. He's he's fantastic defensively, like uh, Capewell is, and he's even quicker than Capewell, obviously. Um, mm-hmm. No, he doesn't offer a, a ton on offense, but hell, we've got uh, Brimson Coates, and probably a, a roving Callum Ponger in there, so they've plenty of that um i don't know i just queensland have have really kind of uh, gone all out with selections the past two years so uh, yeah i would throw up a trigger debut
0: you know what it's it's not crazy the, the form he's been in it's not crazy and uh, having a genuine center there it's the same people that have been saying we need to get will chambers in there like he's playing like a bastard, but who cares he's got experience and he plays center we'll throw him in well, uh, Operchek, he's, he's going okay. Uh, the, the one obvious omission there so far is Val Holmes. You, you don't feel Val Holmes um, would strike fear into you as a Blues fan?
1: <laughs> Sorry, Bo, but um, Val Holmes is uh, looking at it from a Queensland point of view. He is, um, he, he's also drawn my red pen. I, th- I thought he was terrible last year, and he he was in the NFL the year before that. So he's he's at present got my red pen.
0: Okay, interesting. I, I, I assume your halves would be Munster and DCE. Is that the case?
1: Yeah, and I've, well, I've, I've penciled in Ben Hunt at, at six, but that's just because I assume Munster won't play. So um, that's, that's where I'd go if, if Munster doesn't play.
0: Giving it some thought, I think what I would do is I would move Brimson to fullback and Ponga to five eighth. Um, yeah, yeah. But Hunt is very much in the frame. He's, he's always done a job for Queensland when, when asked...
1: And as, uh, as I've sort of tipped there, there's not a ton of uh, back options for Queensland, so I, um, and, and probably a few more halves options, so that's why I've got Ponger at, at five and Hunt at six as opposed to Ponger at six and, and some other Nuffie at nuffy at five.
0: <laughs> Fair enough. We, we spoke about forwards last, or well, front rowers particularly last week. Uh, you mentioned you had Welch, and I think you said Arrow in the front row. Have you stuck true to that?
1: Yep, I've I've still got like from my own personal notes Papali, but I assume he's not gonna play.
0: Yes, that's correct. Yep,
1: so I've still got Welsh and,
0: and, and Arrow there. Yeah, and, and your back row looks like My back
1: row looks like uh Kifusi, Capewell, and Fasilla
0: Interesting. No David Fafida. Um I, I assume have <laughs> that name again. Um <laughs> maybe not. Okay, so who's your hooker? You've said that Harry Grant would be the hooker, right? Yes, yes. Okay, so, so what's your know. bench look like?
1: Well, look, I, I, I'm not going to lie. I, f- I forgot about David Fafita until you, you, um, you mentioned him <laughs> with Kieran's team. Okay. So I think on second thoughts... Um, no, you know what? No, you're right. On second thoughts, I would probably have Welsh and Fassila Maiaoui in the front row. Uh, for, maybe Fafita for at lock, say. And the bench being Arrow, Sewer, Jared Wallace, and Thomas Flegler.
0: Yeah, you have mentioned a couple of times that you're you're liking Thomas Flegler. Um, is there something about him that's caught your eye,
1: mate? He's, he's just tough, and he's he's a good forward. I think everyone realizes he has talent, and, and probably a few years ago it was a bit more highly thought of than he is right this minute. But my opinion on him hasn't hasn't changed all that much. I I, I think he's. Uh, yeah, he's a good forward, and, and like I, I'm hearing names like Josh Kerr and, and, and Danamis Louie and stuff like that, and I think, well, if, if people are going to throw up their names, I'm going to throw up my guy.
0: Yeah, I think and he's I just think as he,
1: entitled to, to play.
0: Yeah, and I mean, he has the size, the relative size of a guy like Josh Kerr, um, a good motor, he's a young guy, yeah, good leg speed, um, good footwork too, actually, uh, when he is about to impact the line. so. I do like Thomas Flegler. He was one of those unlucky ones uh, in mine. I also consider Ben Hunt pretty unlucky. It's like, you know, Reed Money's in tremendous form. Ben Hunt, uh, just not. He's in good form too for the Dragons. And as you rightly say, uh, if Munster is indeed unavailable, Ben Hunt very much comes into calculations for that 5 8th role and and should, the way he's been playing. Um, I just like the idea of having Ponga there uh, with his left foot um mm-hmm. and then AJ Brimson obviously in great touch as well so he uh he do a good job in fullback like he did in game 1 last year but that's uh let's see how close we are to being right uh because it'll be very and I, like, you know what I'm kind of rooting for your Tom Oppercheck call now I, <laughs> I, I, I really like that I rate it that's, that's good stuff let's, uh, let's have a quick little halftime break where on the other side of the musical interlude we're going to hear from my other podcast Pretty Fly a 90s nostalgia podcast and uh, we're going to have a short little piece that I put together about the late Bob Fulton and a mortal who passed away last week at the age of 73 back soon If you can't get enough of Seinfeld, overalls with one of the straps undone, the Chicago Bulls winning championships, and the Brisbane Broncos being a good team, then it's a pretty good bet you love the 90s. If you do, you should tune in to Pretty Fly, a 90s nostalgia podcast, which is brought to you by the We Made This Podcast Network. It's hosted by me, Bo Nicholson, and the founder of the Pioneer Australia, Daniel Lang. It's a conversation podcast where we discuss the pop culture icons of our favourite decade. Season 1 is ready to listen to right now, with Season 2 arriving soon. Search for Pretty Fly, a 90s nostalgia podcast wherever you listen to your podcasts. Bob Fulton. Bozo. Born in Warrington, England at the end of 1947. Moved to Australia when he was four. Thank goodness. Australian Rugby League was never the same. I first came across Bob Fulton as a coach of the dominant Australian and Manly sides of the mid-90s. I was seven, I didn't care about coaches. My old man would tell me time and time again how great he was, particularly as a player. No one could touch him, he'd say. He was fit, fast, skillful, and could tackle like hell. It wasn't much later than that, I became addicted to rugby league and became a student of the game. I learned about the Immortals, of which Fulton was an inaugural member, along with Reg Gaznia, Clive Churchill and Johnny Raper. Raper now is the last of the original Immortals left standing and we hear that his health is wavering as well. These heroes of past generations are starting to leave us and despite many of them being older people, it always feels too soon. Fulton was a statesman of the game, revered by many and respected by many more. He played over 200 games for his beloved Seagulls at centre or 5 where he also coached for over 300 games. He played in their first, second and third premiership wins, then coached them to their fifth and sixth. He also played for and coached the Roosters played 16 games for New South Wales and 35 tests for Australia. As coach, he led Australia in 39 matches for a win percentage of 82%. He also served his state and country as a selector. Bob Fulton. Bozo. Player. Coach. Selector. Immortal. He is survived by wife Anne. And children Scott, Brett, and Christy. We'd like to pass our condolences on to all those who knew him and who loved him. Welcome back to Above the Horizontal. I'm Bo Nicholson. I'm here with Miles Stebbin. We're about to preview round 12. And Miles, the very first game on Thursday night is between the Broncos and the Storm. At 7.50pm from Suncorp Stadium What do you make of this? The Broncos are, are giant killers at the moment
1: They are <laughs> But I, and I, I Look, I, I consider it For a mere second, but I, I think That obviously the way the Storm Punished the Broncos last time out And, and with Jerome Hughes returning this week I, I think the Storm will have Probably too many A-tiers in their lineup For the, the Broncos to make a fist of it So I'm, I'm going to go with the Storm
0: they're simply a better team. That's all there is to it. Um, the Broncos are getting Milford back, which is a mixed blessing, I suppose. Um, <laughs> and they're losing Matt Lodge. And as as you say, Miles, you've got him in your uh, New South Wales 17. He has been uh, an influential player for the Broncos when they've been going well and even when they haven't been going that well. So uh, he'll be a loss for them. The Storm should get this one done. Uh, and by the way, we don't have any tips from Kieran uh, at this point, but I'm sure that he will get eight out of eight just to spite me. Uh, the next <laughs> game <laughs> the next game is between the Cowboys and the Warriors from Queensland Country Bank Stadium in Townsville at six o'clock on Friday evening. Uh, the big news for the Cowboys is that Hamaso Tabuay Fido is back. Um, and just in time, Conley Lemuelu uh, hurt his thumb uh, and will be out for four to six weeks, I heard. So uh, Hamaso back just in time. And Cohen Hess returns from his uh, concussion-related layoff, um, also just in time to replace Jason Tamalolo, who I believe has been suspended for two matches, if memory serves. Um, So yeah, that's that's the Cowboys. A couple of interesting choices there. The Warriors have decided to stick with Reese Walsh at fullback after his pretty amazing display in attack last week uh can work on some things defensively of course um and it's interesting that they've chosen to put two of us as check on the wing particularly with the cowboys having such a potent short kicking game in clifford and Drinkwater. um i think two of us as check would have been a better choice to have it fullback at least defensively but they're, they're sticking to their guns and reese walsh does indeed look like a gun um so I guess it's just a tip. It's, it's the Cowboys playing at home. I'm a Cowboys fan. I'm going to go with the Cowboys. Do you see the Cowboys having much luck here, Miles?
1: I think it'll be a close one, but I, and, I, and I'm certainly not confident about this, but I think the Warriors are at the point where they're beginning to earn sort of week-in, week-out respect. So I'm tentatively tipping the Warriors. Um But look, I can easily see the Cowboys doing the same here and and holding fort and and, and earning their own sort of uh, home turf respect.
0: Well, it's it's the Warriors at 9th playing against the Cowboys at 10th. So they're, they're both teams with a, with a lot to play for in terms of finals. And I think you're right. It could well be a close one. So, uh, you know, let's let's set aside 6 o'clock on Friday to watch that one and have the TV turned off by 7.55 because the <laughs> Tigers versus the Dragons. Um, the Tigers have James Roberts returning. Um, he had a petrol injury. He's coming back. Uh, Joey Leilua has dropped out of the squad with Tommy Talau moving into the centers. Uh, The Dragons will not have Josh Kerr, um, but he is being replaced by Tarek Sims, which is probably a a win for the Dragons. Um, Paul Vaughan started on the bench last week, but he moves into the starting side with uh, Pawaso Fa'ama Asili, Um, going back to the bench. Mate, no idea put a tip here like honestly um, the form line is so sketchy on both of these teams the Dragons sit precariously inside the eight after a lot of early season wins that surprised a few people uh, but their their form has tailed off poorly the Tigers um, you know lost to the Warriors when they probably should have won they had an encouraging win against the, the Knights a couple of weeks ago in Magic Round <sighs> I don't know I'm going to pick a name out of the hat and say the Dragons and then not watch this game <laughs>
1: I um I'm I'm thinking very much the same as you here in that there's no good read on it. Um I guess if you want to if you want to say something the Tigers won last time out and that was in Wollongong so that's impressive. Mm. Um Yeah, you know, I'm going to back the Tigers in here.
0: Is at Bankwest Stadium. So uh, that is a home game for the Tigers so maybe they maybe maybe.
1: Notably awful there though.
0: <laughs> that's true. weren't they the ones that got towed up by fifty points in the first game there?
1: Yes, and, and most recently they got their most recent outing there. They got towed up by fifty points as well by the Seagulls.
0: Oh yeah, that's a that's a bad omen. I just can't see the Dragons putting on fifty points. <laughs> um, but I can see potentially fifty points being put on the Panthers this week. Uh, by the movement. No, really. really. Uh, Saturday afternoon at Blue Bet Stadium. It would be a bad bet stadium to say that the Bulldogs would score 50 against the Panthers, don't you think, Miles?
1: It would be a absolute shocker. Um, I think. Do we. Uh, gosh, do we even enter? His, I don't have any notes on this one. <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> that's how, Yeah, yeah, Panthers
0: for me. I mean, not happening. Bulldogs are yeah. Still no. Uh, Still no Dylan Edwards for the Panthers. They've got Stephen Crichton uh, at fullback. Uh, Kurt Capel's out for a week. Uh, But, you know, Moses Leota comes back into the side, which shifts Liam Martin from prop to second row, and that makes them stronger somehow. So I I like like the poor old Bulldogs. Yeah,
1: it's not going to be pretty.
0: Uh, the Bulldogs are strengthened, though, by the return of Jack Hetherington, who, with the new rules, will probably be just su- suspended <laughs> for life. Exactly. I don't
1: think they strengthened at all.
0: <laughs> uh, they do have Josh Jackson coming back, and he is uh, a quality player. Um, so, that, you know, that's something, but the Panthers should get that one done. Quite easily, I would assume, particularly with their first-choice hooker being out for the next month or so, Sienna Katara, they've got um, Joseph Topine, I believe is the pronunciation, um, filling in at... Hooker there with Brad what? Dietz on the bench.
1: Isn't there already Jesus. a player called that?
0: Yeah, and, there, and it's like <laughs> it's different. So it's like oh sorry, they were right, Jackson Turpine, my apologies. Uh, oh, I was you're, say uh yeah, I'm thinking of uh, Joe Tarpone from the uh, from the Raiders, my bad. Jackson Turpine. I was
1: having a bit of a, a moment there because there's also two players named Sioni Katoa.
0: Yes, there are. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> I'm, <be hilarious. laughs> I'm just I'm just speaking in aneurysms apparently. Um <laughs> Aneurysms, that was uh, that was what I got watching the Rabbitohs against the Panthers last week after I tipped them. But they are the ones that are playing at 5.30 from Stadium Australia in Sydney against the Parramatta Eels, who were also, fair to say, a bit disappointing against the Seagulls, but it's, you know, the Seagulls were also red hot, so hard to be too critical of them. I, um, uh, in terms of getting a read on this... Uh, I would be, if I was the Rabideaus, I'm going left side all day at the Eels' right side. They've got Wunger Blake and Blake Ferguson, and they are just getting absolutely towed up by opponents at the moment because they cannot defend together. Uh, they really need to sort that out, Brad Arthur and the Eels, uh, because otherwise, across the park, they look a look a really really good side. They don't have Regan Campbell, Gillard this week. That will that will hurt them a little bit with Oregon Kafusi moving into the starting pack. Um, but they looked a much better team with Marasa near Corey in the centres. Wangar Blake, albeit quite good in attack, hopeless in defence. I'm going to tip the Rabbitohs to bounce back pretty hard here. Who do you have?
1: Yeah, the way I look at it is that each year we're sort of looking for that point where we where we lose faith in the Eels and and Brad Arthur and Mitchell Moses and I think we sort of reached that last. Where I, I know the Seagulls are in good touch, but it was at home and 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 I, I feel like the Eels should have won that game um, and they didn't. So I've, I've officially lost faith in in the Eels as a contender and um, somehow I haven't for the Rabbitohs, but. Um, Yeah, I'm going to go to the Rabbitohs
0: Cameron Murray also returning As you mentioned earlier uh, In your um, wildcard awards So that's a big boost for the Rabbitohs The Roosters and the Raiders Are playing And that's another couple of teams That had disappointing losses Um, They're playing against each other At Central Coast Stadium at Gosford It's a Roosters home game They're just trying to get Canberra As far away from Canberra as possible I think That's the tactic there (laughs) Uh, For the Roosters, uh, they've named Angus Crichton at the second row, but as we discussed earlier, he has been rubbed out of the game for a couple of weeks. I assume that means Nat Butcher will move into the starting side and uh, they'll (laughs) choose maybe Egan Butcher uh, to end up on the bench. Uh, Joseph Suwali has been dropped uh, for Josh Morris returning. Dropped is probably a harsh word. And Victor Radley is, has also been rubbed out of the game for five weeks. The Raiders have been just abysmal, just really, really bad. Um, (laughs) they lose George Williams, uh, but they replace him with Jack White, essentially. So that's probably a win. Uh, they've got Jordan Rappina returning. They've got Josh Hodgson returning. They've got Cia Soliola returning on the bench. Uh, some good players there. So I'm going to back the Raiders on this one. I know that sounds crazy, uh, and the Roosters should have a lot of bounce back factor after being beaten by the Broncos, so I imagine the good money is on the Roosters. But I am criminally insane. And there's a reason I'm lasting out <laughs> to bin comp. Are <laughs> you
1: <laughs> you're I'm tipping the Roosters? <laughs> <laughs> this is where you
0: tell me you're tipping okay. the Roosters, yeah, I'm,
1: yeah, definitely tipping the Roosters.
0: Yeah, fair enough. Um, let's roll forward to Sunday afternoon, two p.m. from. My goodness, I don't even know how to say that stadium name. The CX Coffs International Stadium at Coffs Harbour, which is between the Cronulla Sharks in their home game against the Titans. Who do you have on this one?
1: Uh, well, uh, I think it's... Usually I kind of um, skip the additions, but both teams welcoming back a ton of players here, so definitely worth mentioning. Um, Jesse Ramian, Rinaldi Moltalo, Sean Johnson... Um, Ashley Taylor, David Fita, all back in the starting side and or bench slash reserves. So they're all a chance to play. Most of them probably will play, um, mm-hmm. which I, I, I guess it kind of gives you a bit of a true reflection of, of the result and, and the ability of the teams. But um, with, with that in mind, I, I feel like the Titans look like they seem to be, when you looked up and down that team, they look like they're back to the, the sort of squad strength, which saw them impress early on in the year. Um, and obviously the sharks won last week and this is a home game for them by um proxy and obviously it's in new south wales so um but they of course they will be travelling um probably probably further than the the gold coast titans actually so um the game place taking place in Coffs Harbour um i'm again not not super confident but i'm with a with a decent amount of confidence going to the titans here
0: yeah, Coffs Harbour it probably is about halfway. Actually, they're probably like just like they've just like rolled the dice. Like they've 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 just decided okay, halfway point, Coffs Harbour. Um, but you another... have
1: to consider that um, uh, granella an hour south of Sydney as well, so there is that.
0: Oh yes, that's true. That's true. It's a six-hour drive from Brisbane as well, but uh, you know maybe five from the Gold Coast. So yeah, you're probably right. It probably is about bang halfway, or maybe slightly closer for the Titans. The Sharks are, are lucky actually. They've got a couple of players out. And I was looking I was I was looking at their outs in the casualty ward and it's like Josh Dugan out. I'm like, uh. Maweni Hiroti out. Uh. That means that they'll probably move Teague Wilton into the centres. Oh, he's out too. Shit. <laughs> what are, what are they going to do? But they have got, as you mentioned, Ramian and Mulatalo returning just in the nick of time, so they will play. That fills out their back line quite nicely. Sean Johnson's a big in for them, but David Vita, a bigger in for the Titans. I am going to go with the Titans on this one. And the last game is between the Knights and the Seagulls from Sunday at 4.05pm from McDonald Jones Stadium in Newcastle. The home game may well be the only thing going for the Knights here. um, Because... They, you know, with with the uh, retirement of Blake Green, their halves are looking pretty sketchy. Kalen Pong has been hot or not um, for most of this season. Uh, the back line has not fired at all. And the forward pack, which looks quite good on paper, you know, Clemmer, Saifiti, Saifiti, Frizzell, Fitzgibbon, Barnett, Connor Watson as like a roving lock hooker utility. Um, that's, a, that's a good forward pack, but they... They just fall short time and time again, whereas the Seagulls, I think the important thing for the Seagulls was it wasn't like they lost every game and then Turbo comes back and then they win every game. They did win one game against the Warriors by one point just before Tommy Turbo came back, which I think gave the rest of the team a bit of confidence that Tommy Turbo just exploded. And then, you know, the rest of them have gone with him. And guys like Taniella Paseca, even Lachlan Croker at hooker, he's gone okay. You're like, I had a lot of doubts about him, but he's gone okay. Um, they've got a bit of a makeshift back row at the moment with Carl Lawton, who is usually a hooker, and Sean Kepi, who's usually a big front rower playing on the edge this week. But I expect that the Manly forward pack will absolutely take it to that Knights forward pack. And then from there, it's just a matter of class. I'd rather have Tommy Turbo than Kalen Ponga. I'd rather have Schuster than Kurt Mann. I'd rather have Daly Cherry Evans than Phoenix Crossland. So I'd rather have the Seagulls than the Knights. Do you agree?
1: Yeah, definitely rather have the, the Seagulls than the Knights.
0: Well, that was easy. Um, and then straight after that, the teams will be, well, sorry, the New South Wales team will be peaked. I think Queensland historically gets peaked the next day um, because we like to have a little look at what you guys are doing first and then make our decision based on that. So, um, so and that's when Tom Openshik will, uh, will get his go <laughs> um, after being shown to be far more confident in the centres and competent than he's... Uh, than Wonga blake his center partner let's talk about bold predictions um miles you you and i were both pretty far off in our bold predictions last week so we have some work to do here what what is yours
1: well sam williams has has been one of the the great sort of backup halves of all time um from from memory I, i think he actually won player of the game in his first nrl game and i I think that may have been replacing Terry Campese, if um, I'm not mistaken, or maybe even that was the Matt Alford year. Who knows? But, um, look, he's, he's stepping in again, for this time for George Williams. And I can see him impressing because um, he, he always tends to do so. He's a classy guy. So I, I can see him maybe notching up two try assists in a, a Raiders loss.
0: All right, two try assists for Sam Williams. Mate, when you said the greatest backup half or one of the greatest backup halves, my mind just started racing. Like, I was just like, oh, well, what about uh, Shane Perry, who won the comp with the Broncos in 2005 or six? Sorry. Uh, What about um, Leo Dinova, who who guided the Knights to a grand final uh, in the absence of Andrew Johns? Um, Oh, there's so many that come to mind now. I'm just like, I'm freaking out over here. Um, So I might just just do my bold prediction. Um, Look, I've got no real reason to suggest that this will be the case, but I I kind of think that the Cowboys Warriors will be a close one, like we mentioned. I kind of think the Rabbitohs Eels should be a close one on paper. Um, I think either the Roosters Raiders or... Tigers-Dragons could also be close potentially, so I think my bold prediction will be that three games will be decided by six points or less, which in the context of this season would be hugely important and very, very cool for the NRL because there have been way too many blowouts and fans are getting a bit sick of it, so uh, I'm, I'm taking a, a leaf out of the Miles Steven book and having quite an optimistic bold prediction. Are you proud of me?
1: I am. I, I, I think we've got two bolds to, to root for here.
0: Yes, good. I'm I'm glad. Uh, and another way that you could make me proud, Miles, is by saying go the Cowboys.
1: Go the Cowboys and also go Tom Opacek.
0: Yes, go on go Tom Obachek. Get that Queensland Maroons <laughs> jersey, baby, yeah. <laughs> Let's just pop a little bit of Austin Powers at the end of that podcast. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> just a little bit of salt and pepper for you, bang. <laughs> There's a full time siren. Above the Horizontal is brought to you by The Pioneer Australia. Find them on Facebook or at www.pioneeraustralia.wordpress.com. The Above the Horizontal panelists are Miles Stedman and Kieran Gibson, and it's hosted and produced by me, Bo Nicholson.